0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.
0: Going beyond the box score and the diamond, this is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made.
2: Well, good morning, Chris Atterbury with you. The show is, of course, Inside Twins, as you just heard. It is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. We're always excited when we can get folks in studio, and it's great to see Daniel Adler in studio today, Assistant General Manager of the Twins, and one of my favorite guys to talk to. And last time I saw you, Uh, We were on a bus in Detroit, and I was about to get COVID. So this is a little better situation for us. So it's good to see you. I
0: I have my mask off. Notably, on that Detroit trip, I was probably the only one wearing a mask and uh, worked out uh, better for me than uh, some of the the rest of the crew, unfortunately.
2: I I was watching you, and I was thinking, you know, he's the smartest guy on the bus. I should probably be wearing a mask, too. So I think that's probably something that, that I will probably have to look into the rest of the way. There's a bit of a I don't know if it's confusing on purpose or just uh the the changing shape of front offices. I don't think a lot of fans know exactly what you do specifically, and I don't even know if that is a thing that like you guys split up your assistant GM duties and in, in this slice or that slice. But what are some of the things right now in your particular role that you are spending the bulk of your time on at this point of the season with the draft looming, the trade deadline looming, and a team very much in a pennant race?
0: Yeah, so Draft uh, coming up a week from today, the draft starts. We'll start draft meetings this week. They start on Tuesday. Uh, my personal role in that, uh, I'll attend the meetings, ask some questions, make potentially make some calls to agents. I'm not the one assessing the players, uh, but I do one of my main roles. I oversee our research and development group. So we have one of our analysts, Ezra Wise, is fully dedicated to the draft all year round. He's seeing players he's working on our draft model he's in constant communication with our scouts so really more than anything there to to support Ezra as uh, as we make some decisions in the draft obviously Sean Johnson uh, our director of uh, of scouting or VP of, uh, of scouting will be making making the final call but Ezra and uh, a lot of our analytical work in addition to uh, of course our scouts is a uh, huge huge driver there so draft is a lot of time right now
2: I want to talk about Ezra I'm glad you brought him up we should probably have Ezra on the show because I think as more information uh, data has become available about the draftable players because for years. There was track man dad on a yeah. guy playing at a high school here or a high school there. And, and now, you know, we've kind of herded these kids into spots where there's more information. But so much of the early misconception was someone's got a computer program to figure out who to draft. That's never been true. But you just hit right on top of it. Ezra is not only working on some of the technical database type work of how to evaluate, how to parse numbers, but also is seeing players, is communicating with scouts. How does that process boil all together when you're looking at literally an endless pile of potential kids to draft in high school, junior college and college?
0: Yeah, the biggest driver for us. So Ezra uh, is in charge of the the model we use uh, and then we make adjustments from the model. Uh, after the fact but the biggest driver for us of that model is what the scouts think so what kind of grades did the scout put on the player's tools what kind of overall grades did the scout see and uh and then we basically try to combine all of that information and uh spit out spit out a number and then we talk about it some more and sometimes we say hey there's something that maybe is missing it's not showing up this guy he just started throwing a new pitch looks a lot better i understand uh The scout who saw him two months ago didn't see this pitch but now that's in here we've got to adjust him up a little bit so um yeah it's a there's a lot of uh a lot of information that comes together but rather than uh, just going purely by gut feel we try to uh try to systematize it a little bit
2: and in systematizing it are you saying here's what we value like these are things like like this is something whether it is a physical characteristic or whether it's a a certain spin rate or something these are characteristics that our data shows over the course of five to eight years kids who had that at 18 turned into this versus turned into that is that some of the stuff that goes into the system
0: yeah exactly and th- there are certain traits and it's also a collaboration with uh, with our player development group so alex Hassan. um Drew McPhail, Tommy Bergens. They'll be in the meetings uh, through the whole week and talking about, hey, this is a guy. We have a pitcher who has really uh, maybe great stuff but poor control how do we handle a guy like that is that somebody we can help or should we go with the guy on the other side who maybe uh, lesser stuff but amazing control can we help that guy tick up maybe throw a little harder get a little more movement so uh, it's it's really tough and the the reality is that it's not not so simple to just have a formula take this guy there's a lot of factors and a player who may thrive with us may not thrive with another team or vice versa
2: yeah and not to mention what is obviously never going to be- be replaced, which is the makeup of the kid when the scouts get to know them, know the family, know the work ethic, know the coaches. Talking to people who know the kid who aren't, uh, so to have don't don't have skin in the game, right? Guys who have nothing to lose or gain by by telling you the truth about the individual. As a problem solver, which I would argue you are, uh, just in terms of how you think, how much fun is that to kind of reverse engineer it and say, here's what a successful big league baseball player looks like. How do we reverse engineer that to go back to what we're looking for to try to build one? Is that kind of the semblance of the process?
0: Uh, it's an incredibly interesting problem, and it's not just hey, what are the successful big leaguers doing? We also need to look at what are the guys who've had trouble doing because mm-hmm. they may look a lot like the successful players. And then we also have to think about who are the guys we actually can acquire. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys at the top of the draft. There's a few uh, few players who we know are just going to be gone for sure. And then once you get into second, third, fourth round. You're all the guys who are there are going to have some type of flaw or they would be taken a little uh, a little earlier. So I think when you look at our draft, um, our drafts recently, some of the impressive things, a local guy, Louis Varland, is doing really well for us. We picked him. I was at ninth, Mm eleventh round. You know, I think that those are the really great success stories where um, our scouts knew the player well. Joe Bissinius, who covers this area, knew him well. Our supervisors knew him. Uh, the model liked him and then our player development group has done a terrific job with him and to have a guy you know picked outside of the top five rounds working his way up through the system hopefully on his way to being a big leaguer is a a really big deal yeah
2: the winders the sands of the world guys you get you really make your your long-term successful foundation in those middle rounds now when you walk into the room this year those guys who put all the time into your first round pick a year ago, are they mad? Are they like, you traded our guy. We never even got to see him develop. We didn't even have him for a year.
0: It, it's uh, it's always a little bit of a double-edged sword. I think, uh, you know, that we had some conversations with John Wilson, um, who who knew Chase Petty really well and uh, had uh, was incredibly excited that we signed him and it's it's not easy and we didn't trade Chase because there was any problem he was doing doing really well with us uh, but another team also felt really uh, really well, strong. Yeah, you're not
2: going to get Sonny Gray for a guy who can't play, right? Or who exactly. people don't believe
0: in. Exactly. I I will say I am constantly impressed by our scouts and their ability to take the long view. Um, you know, you're looking if you're looking at a high school player, it is going to be half a decade if not a whole decade before he starts helping the team and on the international front where I've been more involved lately we're looking at guys who are truly could be 12 15 years away before this guy is getting to the major league so it's amazing that they can take that long view I so I do think when we view it as a, a real positive if a guy we drafted is interesting enough to somebody that they want him in a trade that's a that's a good sign yeah
2: and the long view is important but it feels like with the financial model in the game today, that boy is speeding that process up, and we're getting guys who maybe the long view would benefit them long term and would benefit the game long term but across the league those guys are being pushed a little bit faster for a variety of reasons Daniel Ladler is here always great to get some insights from him Uh, they are indeed setting up the draft room across the hall it's going to be a a beehive of activity always great to get the scouts back here at Target Field for the the build up to that and we will talk with Sean Johnson on this program I think two weeks from now or a couple weeks from now after the draft uh, and he will kind of look back at kind of what they did and why they did it right now we'll take a break this is inside twins when we come back we'll talk about a first place twins team and what can be done to augment them down the stretch right here on your home for twins baseball chris atterbury in studio with daniel adler assistant general manager of the minnesota twins twins in texas today trying to avoid being swept trying to avoid what would be a season high four game losing streak as they sent dylan bundy to the mound opposite dane dunning Uh, Daniel, uh, update on Miguel Sano. I know he was down in the Complex League, hit a couple of home runs the other day. I know one of them was off of Matt Barnes, who was down there rehabbing as well. Uh, I I hate saying Florida Complex League because it sounds like a prison circuit of some sort (laughs) uh, as opposed to the GCL. But what is the status of Miguel I know you guys aren't going to rush him back by any stretch of the imagination, but where is he going to be getting his at-bats?
0: Yeah, so we've been working him back in slowly. He initially was uh, was just DHing. Uh, he's been playing some in the field uh, in the complex league. I was down there um, just before he started his rehab assignment. I was there a week and a half ago. He's looking pretty good. I know lateral mobility after the surgery, still coming back a little bit at first base, um, but he's looking good. He's in good shape, and I think – We anticipate uh, hopefully he'll be coming up and uh, doing some work with the St. Paul team pretty soon here. That Uh, could
2: be exciting. Fans can see Miguel over at CHS uh, knocking balls all over the place. And uh, One thing about Miguel that I think that people who aren't around him a lot may not understand is that when he's down like on a rehab and around young players, he's really good with those young players. I think he gets a bit of a bad reputation because he's so big. He's such a big, giant guy. But when he is around your younger prospects, uh, I feel like he is an incredibly productive positive force around those kids
0: he he really is i was down there watching in, in some uh, fcl games that he wasn't playing in and he's uh, half the time he was on the bench actually with the guys talking about the pitchers breaking them down then the other half the time he was uh, in the stands and the line between stands and bench down there is <laughs> <Very> pretty thin. <laughs> pretty thin but he's he's holding court with uh, either it's the fcl players or uh, the mighty muscles players down there you know they all they all look up to him and uh, you know i think those guys hearing about his path uh, is really 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 helpful, and uh, Edgar Varela, who's uh, one of our field coordinators, was telling me that Miguel was uh, was instituting a uh, no jewelry policy for the minor league guys, which I thought was a little ironic, a little ironic. given uh, Miguel's penchant for uh, for wearing some bling, but for, for uh,
2: penchant for having a toaster sized <laughs> gold chain around his neck. So uh, <laughs> that's interesting. That's news for sure. If he's uh, he's instituting the no jewelry policy, uh, a couple of guys of yours will be headed to the futures game. Spencer Steer uh jay-z still holding hostage my spencer steer trading card from cedar rapids but (laughs) he's been tearing it up at st paul can saints fans maybe expect to see local boy matt walner before too long
0: Uh, I think it's certainly kind of a conversation for us right now Uh, but I I think at some point uh, during this season uh, obviously when you see a guy putting up numbers like he is at at Wichita it's probably not too long that before he'll be coming to St. Paul I don't know the timeline if that's uh, you know if that's in a few weeks or uh, a little later in the season
2: yeah at some point his folks probably want to get the exercise equipment out of his old bedroom and maybe (laughs) make that up so he's got a place to stay when he comes back to AAA now we talk about those players at AAA and they're having great years but right now it does not seem there's a ton of immediate impact help at AAA because you've used almost all those guys in the major leagues this year we've seen even that that carousel at the back end of the bullpen kind of dry up a little bit you're sneaking guys through waivers to keep them yeah. and thankfully have kept guys like Thornberg and mania uh and and cotton earlier in the year it's a team right now that's in first place that that has tons of talent that has obvious issues though in some Points of the roster. At what point does the trade machine crank up? I know that's not something that just starts and stops, <clears throat> it's constant. But what is going on internally right now in terms of looking to try to maybe patch some holes potentially in the bullpen rotation, certainly probably on the pitching side?
0: Yeah, and I think uh, we uh, before before jumping to the kind of the outside sources, I think coming into the season, we were hopeful that uh, guys like Matt Cantorino, Jordan Balazovic would be ready uh, at some point this season and and could be real, um, real help for our major league team. Um, mostly due to injury. A number of guys are, are probably not quite there. So I think you're right on the, um, on the pitching side. We probably are going to look look outside. And we've started having conversations with basically every club in the league, um, you know, from, uh, hey, just let us know if you're, uh, uh, if you're thinking of moving guys to getting a little more serious and talking about, about real names. Uh, you know, it's, early, it's still pretty early. If you look, uh, most teams... Are probably there are a handful of teams that are going to be clear sellers, but there's also a lot of teams who probably want to wait a few more weeks and get some clarity before making any move. So my guess, we're having a few conversations now. Um, I'd be surprised if anything happened. Um, in- Imminently, but I think it's certainly possible something happens before the draft. There's sometimes a little flurry of activity because of those comp picks that can be traded. Uh, that so some possibility something happens before the draft, and then my guess once the draft um, gets you know those few days, things will usually get a little quiet around draft, and then we'll get into All Star break. Uh, and then after that, I'm guessing things really, really pick up uh, trade deadline-wise, and we'll be, as you said, looking primarily for pitching help. If you look at our position player group, it's a strong group. There there certainly are guys who could help us there, but the bar to, uh, to add to our position player group is really, really high. Whereas on the pitching side, the nice thing, whether it's starters or relievers, when you bring somebody in, it just if it's a reliever, now you're putting everybody else in a little lower leverage situation. Even if it's not necessarily the eighth, ninth inning guy, suddenly you're pushing your seventh inning guy into the sixth or fifth, and that can be helpful as well. And, and
2: honestly, that's what good teams do, right? When you look at the elite teams in the league, they don't have one guy who throws 100 and can flat out stop you in your tracks. They've got three of them because you can't pitch them every single day, especially in this day and age where you need depth in that bullpen Uh, and that really has proven to be a separator, I would argue, amongst the top teams in the league. If you look at Minnesota offensively, feast or famine a lot, sure, but overall it's a lineup that can compete with the Houston's, that can compete with New York's of the world. But right now it looks like the pitching is where that differential is, right?
0: Yeah, I would say I I think that's fair. I think our offense is in kind of that top third of the league um, and and should be – we match up well offensively with just about anybody. Pitching, uh, I know bullpen, especially uh, lately we've had some some rough games. We're probably kind of more middle third, uh, but definitely room uh, on both the starting side and – and the bullpen side to uh, to make some additions and, and find some guys who can really help us fortify things. But uh, bullpens are just it is so hard. I don't and know if you saw man. Yankee Yankees game last night. Their bullpen's been uh, been as good as anybody, and they uh, gave up a couple runs in uh, in the tenth. Uh, crazy crazy things happen. I don't think too many people had the Orioles bullpen after trading away two of their more established guys during the offseason, Their bullpen's been unbelievable. Uh, twins games notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're I I don't mind seeing them do well as long as it's not against us so uh it is it is tough our bullpen you know a couple guys uh Jorge Alcala who's been really one of our most consistent bullpen performers last year and a half that's been a really tough loss if you have him slot him in you know eighth ninth inning situations even Suddenly, the bullpen looks a lot stronger, but we've got to roll with it, yep. and uh, hopefully some people can uh, can step up, and I think we'll also look for some help. Yeah,
2: he's the pair with, with Duran, then. If you have two of those guys versus one, you just the days of having only one guy like that are, are gone. You mentioned Baltimore, and it's a prime example of they took some guys like a Jorge Lopez, who had been kind of a starter, had some success, not a ton, suddenly he... he just takes to this role and is doing really well they're in a position where they're trying to build long term now where there's that whole balance that people in your chair have to deal with all the time now versus the future if you can flip one great season from jorge lopez into three lottery tickets that can maybe help you in your continued build now suddenly that's out there and i know that's something you guys spend a ton of time measuring right now versus then
0: for sure. And it, it changes so much depending on where you are. Look, last year at the deadline, we traded Nelson Cruz, Jose Barrios, two fantastic performers. But unfortunately, we were sitting in a spot where uh, we we just had an incredibly small chance of making the playoffs. Didn't seem like the best uh, use of their skills, basically, uh, for the rest of the year. And we were able to trade them for guys, Joe Ryan, who's helping us a whole lot now, and then uh, Austin Martin, Simeon Woods-Richardson guys who we hope will help us a lot in the future now we're on the other side of things where we may have to give up uh, and, and it will certainly be painful we may have to give up yep. some guys who could help us a lot in the future but we know this is a year where every win really is precious and if we can get a little bit better that can help us, one, make the playoffs and two, advance in the playoffs So uh, I like to think of it, uh, I don't want to get too technical but in the word, world of finance they talk about the discount rate You know, how much do you value today versus tomorrow And and right now we value today a whole, whole lot more than we did at this time last year.
2: Very well said. That is Daniel Adler. We've got one final segment with Daniel where I'll ask him how to invest my IRA. That's next on your Home for Twins Baseball. Final segment of Inside Twins, brought to you by Killer Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. We've got just a couple of minutes left here with Daniel Adler. Great to have you again in studio. As you mentioned, the the draft room is getting underway across the hall. You will be very, very busy uh, in that draft room for the next couple of days. Uh, and then on into the uh, the All-Star break uh, and onward and upward in terms of uh, always keeping an eye on this roster you mentioned some more international dealings uh, that you've had of late, and the academy, of course, for the Twins is great down in the Dominican. Uh, big topic of conversation has been international draft, and it's kind of a coin flip at this point, but it is something that's being discussed, is it not?
0: Yeah, it's being discussed uh, heavily, and it was something that uh, the MLBPA and MLB kind of kicked the can on during the last uh, during the actual collective bargaining um agreement negotiations and I believe it's July 25th is the deadline. Now, what does that deadline actually mean? I'm not what totally sure. For Major League Baseball <laughs> if, mean. <laughs> if somebody if either side came back on July 27th and said we'll do your last offer, I uh, but leaving that aside, uh, uh allegedly July 25th is when we'll get some clarity on uh, the potential to create an international draft, which uh, would move from the system we currently have where we have a big pot of money and you can allocate it however you want to something that looks a lot more like the domestic draft. Right.
2: And then you've also got next year, of course, the specter of a lot of different changes coming in terms of on-field uh rulings will it be automatic strike zone at some point uh will there be shift bands at some point um and we've only got about a minute left but uh, what kind of feedback do you get from the minor leagues is it is it a massive impact on the game you're getting uh from things i know the pitch clock is speeding things up or is it a minimal impact
0: uh, it's a pretty real impact the pitch clock thing i don't know have you that seen any great. minor league games I, we talked With, to
2: some of the, your guys about it and they in terms of just the speed of the game yes
0: as a viewer it's it's amazing and the most uh, one of the most interesting things i saw just a week and a half ago when i was down in florida They've moved, so rather than just going to straight automatic balls and strikes, in the Florida State League, they're trying this thing where the players can actually challenge a play, which is, I think, fascinating. It was really fun to watch. Uh, Let me say uh, what I saw. The catchers are a lot better at knowing balls and strikes (laughs) than the pitchers.
2: (laughs) I know Sonny Gray used up all the challenges when he was on his rehab. Daniel, it's great to have you in studio. That's Daniel Adler. Our show is Inside Twins. That'll wrap it up, but do stick around. We've got the pregame lineup card coming up next right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Insight
0: Twins, brought to you by Killabrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created
1: and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best